It's my honor to bring our friends back to this platform tonight to minister to us. Did we enjoy Brother and Sister Parkey this morning? Did they bless our hearts? Amen. We want them to come tonight. When Sister Parkey began to sing this morning, I looked over at Brother Parkey and just gave him a little bit of a a little bit of a wink and and a nod and said to him, with a wife that can sing like that, you can't help but have a successful ministry. Of course, they have a wonderfully successful ministry and pastor, one of our marquee churches in the United Pentecostal Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are blessed to have them in Indiana with us, and I want them to come tonight. She's going to come and sing, and then he's going to come and preach. And I don't know, the Spirit of the Lord may move on him, and he may choose to join with her and sing. So uh, whatever they have for us tonight, we want you to give Brother and Sister Parkey a great big Indiana welcome as they come to minister to us. We love and appreciate you folks. Glad you're with us tonight. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Well, thank you for those kind words, and it's good to be back in Indiana. We pastored here for a little over two years, about two and a half years ago, and it was a wonderful time, and you're blessed to be a part of a great district. I know we talked this morning about what a great church this is, but I love the Indiana district, and we love it so much. The past two summers, we spent our week of vacation at your camp because Tennessee camps, hopefully it's not being recorded, but... They just quite don't cut it. Indiana's a great district. So I'm excited to be, be kind of home, one of my homes for a few years. We pastored in California for almost 18 years. I lived there my whole life until my husband took me away six years ago. So I'm a California girl. But I love the travels that we've been on, the paths the Lord's taken us on. And it hasn't always been easy. The road's not always just straight where we can just see exactly where we're headed. Sometimes there's twists and turns that we don't expect. And I've just learned to trust my God. And every year I do a focus word. And in 2009, which was the year that we left California and we never thought we would leave there, um, my focus word that year was trust. And the day that we resigned our church there, we were hugging and loving on people who were sobbing and crying like we had died. And I felt like we had died. And it was a terrible day. But I just kept telling people, you just have to trust God. You just have to trust God. This isn't our church. This is God's church. You're part of God's church. And he's going to take care of you. And then we've been on so many journeys since then, six years ago. And I've just continued the journey. In 2013, which was the year that um, we went to Memphis, my focus year, my focus word that year was focus. And and I really felt like the Lord was going to just give me focus. We were pastoring a smaller church in Bloomington, and the Lord was helping us. We'd had a lot of um, results and revival, and we were just, and I just, but I, you know, I had come from a larger church to a smaller church, and I knew better than just to do the things that I'd always done. I had to do what was right for that moment, for that congregation, and so I was praying for the Lord to help me focus on what I needed to focus on, and halfway through that year, we got a phone call, uh, like in, actually in March, and ended up being voted in in to Memphis, Tennessee in April, and we went there. We were there within about three weeks. We bought a home two weeks after we were voted in, and we're on site and had our first service the first Sunday of June, and I realized about mid-June, we'd been there a few weeks, and I was standing in a service, and it was as if the Lord just kind of went like a lens, the camera, it just focuses in, 
and I felt like some of the things that I had faced and the things that I had gone through that I had given to the Lord in trust. I'm never going to understand this. This is never going to make sense to me. And as I looked at a congregation that I knew God had led us to, to love and to help them go through a difficult time that they had been through and to heal and to move forward, I realized everything that God had led me through was for that moment. And it was like this camera lens of focus just focused right in, and God spoke to me through that. And so this year, my focus word has been courageous. And I'm a get-her-done kind of person. Your, your pastor was telling us about your assistant pastor's wife. Now she, is it, I'm going to say it wrong, so I'm afraid to say it, Lytle? Lytle, I said it right. And how she's a get-her-done kind of girl, and she just works and works and works. So I'm kind of like that. And so I'm the type, I'm not afraid of, you know, work. I'm not afraid of a fight. I'm not, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a go-getter. And so my word was courageous. God gave that to me at the end of the year, and so I thought, Okay, you know, man, I'm, I'm in this. We're going to fight. We're going to go. We're going to do. And then the Lord just started working me over with the courage to be still. And I thought, oh, but I don't like to be still. That's like the worst thing you could tell me is to be still. But the Lord has continually up to this week just keeps prodding me and pushing me. You need the courage to be still. And sometimes we want to work it out. We want to figure it out. And if you have that type of personality, it's even harder. But sometimes God is just saying, stand still, wait and see the salvation of the Lord. And his salvation is so much better than our work and what we can get done, right? We serve an awesome God. And my husband spoke beautifully this morning about the God that created the world. And, and he is such a great God. We can't even really fathom everything that he is and all that he's done and that he can do and that he does but we can just say he's awesome, right? And so I'm going to sing a song that simply says that our God is awesome. Wor worship with me as I sing it.
hears my prayers. He carries all my pain on his shoulders. He wrote the story of redemption and of everlasting love. And with all power, he Jesus, there's no 
you just worship him you are awesome God you are awesome God yes he is hallelujah 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 why don't you lift your hands right where you are tonight the presence of the Lord is in this place again amen let's have a recognition of his presence and his power come on God is in this place tonight sense him reach for him Recognize Him tonight. Lord, we adore You tonight. We worship You tonight. God, we magnify You with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I feel in the Spirit tonight the Lord is wanting to say to this church, there's been a a momentary time of uh, just the only way I can really explain it is just to kind of Take me back to my childhood when, has anybody ever played that game, Mother May I? Mother May I, and you ask, can I take two steps? Yes, you can take two steps. And I feel like the Lord wants to tell this church that he's giving you permission to take steps forward in the spirit. I don't care how you maybe have felt or been on pause, the spirit is saying I'm allowing and I'm giving you an opportunity to step forward into what God has for this church. How many believes that this night could be a marquee night where we take some, some territory, we take some steps forward, and God is giving us permission to do that? I thought as, as we were hearing tonight about Isaiah and how that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and they were singing, and the Bible says that it was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uzziah was a great king. It was a time of peace. It was a time of tranquility. It was a time of prosperity for the people of God. And just as I was thinking in, in our lives, I remember as a young man being in a, in, a, in a pizza hut on my lunch hour in high school as I watched the, the shuttle explode in the air and it became a, a memorable moment for my era of time. Some of you have lived through the John F. Kennedy assassination and other things that have happened that have been marquee moments in our own American history. And probably if I were to ask you, you could remember the day and the time and where you were. And that that was such as this was. And in, in, in when they said it was the year that King Uzziah died, it was a marquee moment. It was a sad moment. It was an impacting moment in their life. I don't know what's happened to you this year. I don't know what you could look back over this year and say, well, that was the year that this happened or that was the year that, that there was a disappointment. There was a year that maybe something didn't go the way that, and it's, it's had just as a tree. You can look back over the years and the rings that are there and see what's happened. But Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. What do you say we're coming to the close of this year and no matter what's happened and no matter what you could do to define this year, why don't you go out of this year saying no matter what happened, I'm going to see the Lord high and lifted up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I feel just a special anointing on this service tonight. It's such a, a privilege to be here and thank you so much for your kind hospitality and 
I want to just reiterate, this is a blessed church. It is a blessed church. As I mentioned this morning, as I, I drove onto the campus and to see all the smiling faces and the training and the excellence and just all the, the, the worship and, and uh, I'm just telling you from an outsider, everybody doesn't have what you have. And it's easy to take it for granted sometimes, but I want us to have a fresh appreciation for what God has given to us. Amen. I applaud your pastor and his wife and his wonderful family. They came to our church and blessed us not long after we had been in Memphis and left uh, an impact on us. And to see their family, to see these young men loving God, worshiping God, involved in ministry, you are a blessed people tonight. Amen. The, I am a pastor, and that is my calling, that is my gifting, and uh, probably my preaching style is uh, more so tends and lends itself to a pastoral ministry. And sometimes as a pastor, it's, it's not easy to uh, speak of, of the, the role of the pastor and the office of the pastor because it seems sometimes maybe self-serving, even though it isn't, and it's not for your benefit, it's for the people's benefit. So I want to help us tonight, and I want to preach a message, and I, I, I have a lot of things that I could do, but I've been praying this afternoon and asking God for direction, and I want to preach what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart for this service tonight. How many would help the preacher, and how many would respond to the Word of God tonight? Amen. Turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read a familiar passage of Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to uh, help us tonight, and I want to impart something that maybe will not just be for this service, but will be something that can get into our spirit and be a blessing and affect us from here till Jesus comes. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Somebody say, a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and he lay there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all of this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken of for to the king? Notice this. He's asking her, What would you like? What, what can I do for you? After all that you have done for me, what can I do for you? Number one, can I speak to the king on your behalf? Number two, can I speak to the captain of the host on your behalf. She answered and said, I dwell among mine own people. I don't need anything. But he said, 
What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaiden. The woman conceived and bare a son in the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. I want to take my text from verse number 9. She said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. I want to just talk to you tonight on the power of the right perception. The power of the right perception. Could we lift our hands one more time and ask the Lord, amen, for his anointing, for his his, his anointing on our ears to hear, anointing on His Word anew and afresh tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name, we come to you humbly tonight, asking for your help, asking for your strength. Lord, this is your church, this is your people, this is your bride that you bled and died for. Lord, I pray that tonight, as your Word goes forth, that there would be faith that would be in our hearts to receive with open ears and open heart, Lord, what you want to speak to your church tonight. In Jesus' name. Could we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Turn to somebody and say, the power of the right perception. Amen. You may be seated. It has been said that perceptions many times become our reality. Perceptions many times become our reality. It doesn't mean that it is reality, but it becomes our reality. You see, wrong perceptions lead to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. Wrong actions lead to wrong results. That's why it's important, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. That's why the enemy works so hard on our mind. And anywhere in the New Testament that you see the word war or warfare, it doesn't really have to do necessarily with what we would probably think of with uh, uh, demons and spiritual beings and whatever, but it has to do with casting down imaginations, casting down every every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So many times where the battle is, is not uh, in the spiritual realm necessarily, although there is a battle there, but many times the battle starts with our mind. If we have the right mindset, we can have the right result. Let this mind, the Bible says, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Come on, has anybody ever had a bad attitude? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Uh, it just seems like if we get in the wrong mindset, if we get in the wrong attitude, it can get us going in the wrong direction. But that's why our mind has to be renewed by the Word of God every day. You've got to get into the Word of God because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And it can't please God. It can't do the right thing. And when you're thinking carnally, you're, you're gonna, your flesh is going to win. But that's why we need to hear the Word of God. That's why we need to hear preaching. Can I get an amen tonight? 
That's why we need to be in the house of God because we live in a world that's got wrong thinking and it's got wrong perceptions. It's got wrong ideas. And that's why we've got to, even with our, our kids that go to school and they hear about uh, uh, that uh, all the things, evolution and, and gay marriage and all the things that they're being combated with, somewhere we've got to come back into the house of God. We've got to come back to the Word of God and we've got to get our minds renewed. And we've got to have the right perception. The Bible says that this woman had the right perception of the man of God. The Bible says that Elisha would come through this place and he would be there continually. And everybody else had the same opportunity that she had. She was a Shunammite woman. She was not even a woman that was of the household of faith. She was on the outside looking in, but she recognized the man of God when she saw a man of God. And there was something in her spirit that said, you know what, I want to get connected to that. I want to be attached to that. I want to be a part of that. And there is a scriptural, biblical principle that, that when you honor the man of God, there is an automatic blessing that comes in your life. Well, I thought I'd get some amens right here. When you bless and you honor and you respect and you revere the, the man of God that is in your life, there is an automatic blessing that comes. And uh, Psalm 133, I love it, that talks about the anointing that flows from Aaron's beard all the way down his garments. And it gives us an indication that anointing flows from the top down. And you know what? If you want to you wanna be in, in, in right relationship with God, because yes, He's got direct authority over our life, but he's also got delegated authority over our life. And somebody said, when you're right with your pastor, you're going to be right with the master. I want to have the right perspective. I want to have the right attitude. I want to help somebody tonight. The Bible says that Jesus began to ask questions and and John the Baptist is a, great, is a great figure in Scripture. And the Bible says that there was none greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist, was he was a unique guy. He came out of the wilderness and he's eating locusts and honey. And, and he's a wild man and he's, he's got camel skin on. And, and he, wasn't, he wasn't your conventional uh, preacher. But Jesus said, you know what, there's been none greater than John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 was having a discourse, and he began to ask the question. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A man in soft raiment. And he said, only kings that live in king's houses have soft raiment. He said, what about a reed shaken in the wind? Is that what you want in a man of God? Do you, don't want, you want just a wishy-washy, uh, just is blown away by every wind of doctrine? Or do you want somebody that can stand for truth and stand for the right thing and stand for righteousness and preach the Word of God when it's not easy and preach the Word of God when it's not convenient and somebody who can walk into Herod and say, hey, buddy, it's not right for you to have your, your, your brother's wife. It's, it's not right. And, and at the risk of his head being cut off, he still said, hey, I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to preach the truth. That's John the Baptist. And then he said, yea, a prophet more than a prophet. And he said in verse 14 of that chapter, he said, if you can receive this, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. 
Elijah was somebody that they held in high esteem. Elijah was somebody that they, they put on a, on a pedestal. Now, if Elijah would preach it and if Elijah would tell us and if Elijah would have been here, we would listen to him. But what Jesus was saying, hey, I've got somebody in front of you. I've got somebody right here in the here and now that's preaching the truth. And there's none greater than him. And if you'll receive him, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. He goes on in that chapter and he says, how shall we liken this generation? And he said, it's a generation that you pipe unto them. You play happy music and they don't dance. And you play a mournful tune and they don't cry. And, and it just seems like no matter what you do, they don't respond. And he said, uh, 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 John the Baptist comes and he's, eat, he's not eating. And you say, because we don't see him eat, he has to have a devil. And then Jesus himself comes and he's eating with publicans and sinners. And, and, and you say, he's got to be a wine-bibber. And it, it, they're not happy. If he doesn't eat, he's got a devil. And if he does eat, he's a wine-bibber. And if we play happy music, you don't dance. And if we play a sad tune, you don't cry. And it didn't matter what they did. They couldn't get that generation's attention. And he goes on and he says, Woe unto you Chorazin and woe unto you Capernaum, which Capernaum was a city that Jesus called his own city and it was a place where they tore off the roof and, and there was a lame man that was healed. It was a place where Jairus' daughter was, was, was healed and there were all kinds of miracles that happened there. And Jesus said, If the things that had been done in your city had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have repented unto this day. Come on, I'm preaching to a generation. I'm preaching to a, a people tonight. This is a great church. You've got a great future. But I'm here to challenge you and say, you know what? We need to get the right perspective. We need to perceive God has sent you a man of God. God has sent you a precious first lady of this church. And God's got a vision that he's placed in them. And God's got some things that he's, he's got in them. But you know what? We've got to have the right perception. We've got to say, hey, I want to be obedient to whatever God wants us to do hallelujah because when we have the right perspective and we have the right perception we're going to have the right results hallelujah as I mentioned I feel like God is saying to this church come on it's time to take some steps forward it's time for some people to get on board. It's time for some people to say, hey, I sense and recognize and I, I realize that, that this is a, a man of God that's leading us into a future. This is a man of God that's leading us into revival. Look at this building tonight. It's full. But you know what? Uh, there's a law of the container. You can only, you can only, uh, it'll just keep flowing over the top. That's why he's got a vision for another place. That's why Tuesday you're going to be pouring a foundation. Why? Because he's got a vision. He's got a passion. He's saying, come on, God's got more for us. But somebody's, come on, I wish I had some help here tonight. Does anybody believe what I'm preaching? Come on, we need to get behind a vision. We need to get behind the man of God and say, come on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's possess our promise. Hallelujah. See, I, I, I've been pastoring for at least 25 years. I know I don't look that old. But I is. Hallelujah. And I, I, I've seen people that have the wrong perspective about church. Some people have a perspective about church that, uh, you know what, it's, it's just a bunch of hypocrites and it's just a bunch of uh, people that, you know, can't get along. And you know what? I don't care where you go, whether it's the church or whether it's the tavern, you're going to find people that are ignorant. 
Is that a good word in Indiana, ignorant? You're going to find them. But you know what? God has destined his church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I don't care if you go to Walmart, you go to a tavern, whatever, you're going to find people that are dingalings. Don't anybody look around right now, but you're going to find them in the church. But you know what? God has purposed, even with its imperfections, God has purposed that it was the church that's going to help us in our house be saved. That's why the enemy will do everything he can to get you sideways with the church, sideways with the people of God, sideways with the man of God. But you know what? Somebody's got to have the right perception and say, no, I'm not going to let the enemy come into my mind. I'm not going to let the enemy come into my spirit. I'm not going to let the enemy come into my heart. No, I'm going to have the right perception and God's going to bless my life. I'll tell you, the happiest you'll be is is being involved in the kingdom of God. The happiest you will be will be right in the center. My dad used to say, it's easy to live for God hard, but it's hard to live for God easy. The people that, that just sit on the periphery and sit on the edge, and, and you know what? Sometimes it's like Psalm 1 says that, that uh, we're, we're walking and we're, uh, then we're standing and then we're sitting in the seat of the scornful. What the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to slow down. First we're walking for God and then, then we begin to stand in the way of sinners and then before long we begin to sit in the seat of the scornful. No, I don't want to be in the seat of the scornful, but I want to be in the middle of what God's doing. I want to be helping to push the wagon. I want to be help contributing to what God is doing. Come on, in this last hour that we're living in, has anybody noticed that Jesus is getting ready to come? This is not a time to get sideways with God. This is not a time to get sideways. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. This is a time to get red hot. This is a time to get fired up. This is a time to get prayed through. This is a time to get involved in what God's doing. Come on, you need to have the right perception. The church is the best thing that's ever happened to you. A man of God is the best thing that's ever happened to you. The Word of God and the preached Word of God. Come on, it might hurt us sometimes. It might part us and it might cut into our life, but it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise right now. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, he's preaching to us. Turn to somebody and say, I know good preaching when I hear good preaching. The Bible says of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. Luke chapter 4, verse number 16. Verse 17 said, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Now they heard what he said and they wondered at what he said. 
But their immediate reaction, their perception was, is not this Joseph's son. In other words, they began to disqualify. They liked what he said. Yes, acceptable year of the Lord. Yes, liberty to the captive. Yes, opening of sight to the blind. That sounds good. And Jesus is saying, it's right here in front of you. He was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. And when he read the book, he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. But they didn't recognize it because of their perception. Several verses later, verse number 28 says, And they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. And they rose up and they thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill wherein their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. In other words, Jesus himself preaching a great sermon, fulfilling scripture, prophetic utterance. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. But because of their perception, they said, you know what, this upsets us and we want to throw him over the cliff. But you know what, there were people that accepted what he said, and there were people that recognized what he said. And there was a leper that said, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And you know what, because of his his perception of Jesus, he got his healing. There was a blind man that began to cry out and said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And because of his perception, he, he was blind, but now he can see. There was a lady that came to Jesus and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I can be made whole. Everybody else said, hey, we don't receive it. We're going to throw him over a cliff. But there was somebody that said, hey, I recognize Jesus, the anointed one, the one that can take away my sin, the one that can heal my body. That's why in a service sometimes somebody can leave with deliverance and somebody else can leave It's not a difference in the power of God. It's not a difference in the message that was preached, but it's a difference in the response. Come on, what could happen in this service tonight if we would make up our mind? You know what? I want to have the right perspective. I want to come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I want to come with an attitude of faith. Come on, this is going to be a service where somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. This is going to be a service where somebody gets a miracle. This is going to be a service where tonight somebody's going to be baptized in Jesus name come on I'm preaching to this church tonight if we'll get the right attitude and we'll get the right perception God's getting ready to move God's getting ready to pour out God's getting ready to bring the revival that we want and we long for come on would you lift your hands and just reach out to the Lord right now Come on, I'm not talking about just the front row. I'm talking about the back row. I'm talk, not talking about just the young, but I'm talking about all of us. It's not a matter of movement or energy. It's a matter of attitude and perception. Come on, let's get ready. Let's get ready to possess the promised land. The children of Israel couldn't go in until they had a generation that had to die off that didn't think they could. But as soon as they got a generation that said, you know what, we're well able to take the land. Come on, is there anybody in this building that believes the rep- of the Lord. Come on, I believe revival's here. I believe backsliders are coming. I believe God's getting ready to pour out financial provision. I believe the miraculous is in our midst. I believe that this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. But I got to have the right perception. Turn to somebody and say, you got to have the right perception. Because it affects, it affects what God can do in our life. Ezekiel chapter 1. I, I read through Ezekiel sometimes and I think, my Lord, what did he eat the night before? 
all these visions and things that he saw. But Ezekiel chapter 1, I was reading this recently, verse number 10. I don't know if you're able to put these on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse number 10. And he gives this vision of this, this character. And he says, as for the likeness of their faces, they had the face of a man. Everybody say the face of a man. And the face of a lion. And on the right side, they the four had the face of an ox. And on the left side, they four also had the face of an eagle. Four faces. I've heard of somebody being two-faced, but this guy had four faces. He had the face of a man. He had the face of an eagle. He had the face of a lion. And he had the face of an ox. That's a pretty crazy looking figure. Most probably this was an angelic being. And when we think of angels, we think of messengers and ones that bring messages to us. But I want to just 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 sidestep for a minute and tell you that even in the book of Revelation, he said, under the angel of the church. The angel of the church was really the pastor and the minister, the messenger of the church. And I believe that this gives us a, a face, really, of, of, of our pastor and of the messenger that God has given to us. In verse number 12, he said, And they went every one straight forward, forward, whether the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. This four-headed creature is going wherever the Spirit tells him to go, and it's doing whatever. The, that's that's kind of like a pastor. He's he's saying, God, I want to do what you want to do. I want to take these people where you want them to go. But you know what? Sometimes we don't we don't really understand that wrapped up into the into the humanity of our pastor. The Bible says of John that he was a man. Everybody say a man. He was a man sent from God. Sometimes your pastor, he has the face of an eagle and he gets up and he's beady eyed and he's flying up in the spirit somewhere and he's seeing things that he's seeing the future and he's seeing what God wants to do and he's in a prayer room somewhere and he comes out and he begins to preach things and he begins to preach vision and he begins to preach into the future and he's got those beady eyes of an eagle and he's soaring into the spirit and he's saying come on church we're going somewhere come on God's got something that he wants to do come on God's got a place that he wants to take us I know you hadn't seen it yet but I've been up there in the spirit I've been praying I've been fasting I've been believing God and he's he's coming with that face of an eagle and he's seeing things in the spirit and there's times that he comes to this pulpit and he sounds like a lion and he's roaring and I know your pastor's a nice guy he probably never does this but sometimes we got to come and we got to roar we got to roar against the spirit the things that are coming against families and we got to roar against our culture and we got to roar against our age and we got to roar against whatever it is that's trying to come against the church and sometimes he's got that face of a lion sometimes he comes on a Wednesday night and your pastor is a great preacher he's known around our movement as a great preacher but sometimes he may come on a Wednesday night and it may just be Acts 238 it may just be the oneness of God, and he's like an ox, and he's just faithful. He's just in the, in the harness, and he's just, come on, church. God's going to teach us tonight. And we're not running the aisles, and we're not hanging from the chandeliers. And You know what? We're in the Word of God, and he's teaching us. 
But you know what? He has another face, and that's the face of a man. Wrapped up in that beady-eyed eagle face, and that lion that roars, and that ox that's just faithful and plotting it out, is humanity. Is a man that has feelings, and a man that has concerns, and a man that has, has, has pressures and life that comes in. That's why I'm challenging this church. I'm preaching you a message that sometimes as a pastor we can never stand up and preach. And I promise you, he's not telling me to do that. He's over there squirming tonight probably going, oh, my God, I brought my friend that I never talked to in, and he's going to. But I felt impressed to do this, Pastor. You have got a gift in your pastor. You've got a gift in your pastor. You have a tin. You have a tin. And your pastor and his wife and his family. And I'm challenging this church if you'll have the right perspective. This woman said, I perceive this is a man of God. She said, I want to make a place for him. I want to make room for him. And because of what she did, God began to bless her. What she wanted was a son. And when you begin to open up your perception, you begin, I, I, I wrote this down the other day, you need to perceive, you need to believe, and then you're going to conceive, and then you're going to receive. When you begin to have the right perception, and you begin to put belief with what that perception is, all of a sudden, you're going to conceive something, and then God's got a miracle and not only is he going to give you what you wanted, but you know what? Sometimes we get we go through things, and she had to take that baby boy that God had given to her, and he's out in the field, and he says, my head, my head. And she said, I know where to take him. I'm going to take him back into that room. I'm going to take him back into that place. I'm going to take him back into that prepared place. You see, every time you worship, every time you give, every time that you're faithful to the house of God, every time that you're consistent in what you should be doing, I want to tell you, you are making room for the miraculous in your life. Let me tell you, God keeps good records. And you may be in a tough time and you may say, God, my dreams have been dashed. I don't know. God, this doesn't even seem fair. But you need to just take it back into a place of, of consecration. You need to take it back into a place where you said, God, I'm making room for you. I had a friend that came to the Lord. When I, when I, I saw him the night he, he got saved, he was a, a biker. He had a beard and leather and all kinds of, he was addicted on drugs. And, but God cleaned him up. He came into the church and his past life that, that he had lived had been, been just a, 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 a terrible life. And it had left him distanced from his, his family and his own son. And he began to pray, God, Lord, would you, would you allow me to see Nathan again? Lord, would you bring Nathan home? God, I want to see Nathan filled with the Holy Ghost. And he began to, every time he would have a meal, he would set a meal for that boy that he would been distanced from. And he would set a place at the table. And when he would pray for his food, God, would you bring Nathan home? God, I'm making place for him. He's not here now, but God, I'm believing it's going to happen. And he made room for his miracle. I'm telling you, I was there the night Nathan came and God brought him back. I was there the night God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God answered his prayer as he began to make room for the miracle in his life. I'm telling this church, there's no telling what God could do in this next year this this 
there, there's no telling what God could pour out. There's no telling the revival. If we could get the right perception, we could begin to receive the word of God with gladness. We could begin to come into the house of God with a fresh attitude of faith and reception to the word of God. Come on, get an amen in your spirit. Get a yes in your spirit. Get something that says, God, I'm ready to go. I want to have the right perception. Come on, lift your hands in the presence of the Lord again right now. Come on. God's working on us. God's helping us. God's talking to us. Come on, we're a, you're a great people. You're a great church. But God is wanting to open up our spiritual eyes to see what he wants to do. Hallelujah. 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 Without a vision, the people perish. God's given you a, a, a pastor with vision. I want to tell you, catch the vision. Support the vision. Somebody said more than one vision is the vision. Think about that. More than one vision is the vision. And I believe God works from the top down and he gives a vision to the pastor. And you may say, well, I don't think we ought to do it that way. Well, he's the man that's sent from God. That he's sent to this church and this city. And our job is to say, God, I want to have the right perception. I want to be obedient to what you want me to do. I read a scripture the other day that it, it, it blows my mind that, that to the level Paul said, it was Galatians chapter 4, verse number 13, and he said, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not nor rejected. But he said, you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. That's pretty powerful. That's hard for our brain because it's hard for us to, well, that, that's a man. He's got, he's got imperfections. He's got things that I, I, characteristics that maybe I, I don't agree with. But Paul said, you know what? I came to you with an infirmity of the flesh, and I preached the gospel unto you. And my temptation was in my flesh, but he said, you didn't despise me and you didn't respect, re reject me, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus himself. I was in a pastor's office one day, and there was a, a lady that called, and I could hear the distress on the other end of the line. And she said, Pastor, we, we're at the hospital, and our baby several days ago shoved a, a, a baby white up his nose, unbeknownst to us, and he began to complain and began to, began to cry and there even began to be a, a smell and we couldn't discover what it was. And by the time they had gotten him to the doctor and began to investigate, it had gone further and further up into his nasal cavity to the point where they said, we're going to have to do emergency surgery. If this, we've tried everything that we know to do to get it out. And that pastor who was a praying man without hesitating said, I say to you in the name of the Lord, and in 45 minutes, that baby will sneeze, and that will come out of his nose. And I was there in that office when those 45 minutes went past, and that mother called, and God had answered that prayer, and that baby had sneezed in the hospital and had, 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 had just rejected that thing out of, out of his body. I'm telling you, when you 
when you have a right perception, God is on your side. And there's a faith that comes into your spirit. The Bible says if there be any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Sometimes we sit around saying, well, I wish he was a mind reader. I wish he would uh, uh, kind of discern my problem without me. No, there's a faith that comes when somebody says, you know what? I've got faith in the man of God. I want prayer. I believe God can answer. Why? Because you've got the right perspective. I believe miracles can happen when the man of God prays. I believe it happens when you pray. But I'm talking to you specifically about a man of God in your life. When you have the right perspective, something begins to happen. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands one more time tonight. Come on, God's talking to us, church. Come on, we're going somewhere. God's saying, let's take a step forward tonight. Come on, let, let, let's move into another dimension. Let's move into another realm. Let's have a, a fresh attitude of faith. Come on, the Bible says that when, when uh, uh, Peter passed by, or that, that, that shadows would just go over them and, and that they would be healed because of their attitude and their perception of the man of God in their life. I'm coming to a close, but I, I want to just share the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. I've heard this story all of my life and how that God gave her a son and God gave her what she wanted and how that the son died and she took him back into that place and she went for the man of God to come back and pray for him. He sent Gehazi. Gehazi wasn't able to, 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 to do, it, do what needed to be done, but all of a sudden she gets on her donkey and she goes to the man of God and he asks her, is it well? with you is it well with your son is it well with your husband she said it's well and there was a testimony of faith even in her response to what really was going on she had to say you know what I, I have confidence that God's going to move in this situation we know how the man of God went back in and he breathed into him and breath came back and he began to sneeze and how that life came back into that that body but I was reading, if you go four chapters later, and if you're able to help me on the screen, four chapters later in 2 Kings chapter 8, I was reading and began to discover that we see this lady emerge one more time in Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 8 says, Then spake Elisha unto the woman, whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. Basically, because of her perception and her attitude towards the man of God, God gave her a word of knowledge that nobody else got. God gave her a word of knowledge that a famine was coming. It's from God. It's going to be for seven years. And God's given you some advance warning. You need to do what you got to do. Verse number 2 says, And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry, notice, unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass that he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life. And behold, the woman whose son 
he had restored to life, cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, the king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. The king, think of the coincidence. The king is sitting there asking Gehazi, Tell me about that story. I want to hear it. About that woman whose son was raised from the dead. And as he's telling the story, seven years later, as he's telling the story, this woman walks in and begins to cry to the king for her land and for her possessions. The Bible says in verse number 6, And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all of the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Flashback to what the prophet asked. Can I speak to the king on your behalf? Can I speak to the captain of the host on your behalf? No, I live in the land of mine own people. What does she want? She just wants a child. God gave her her promise. She perceived. She believed. She conceived. And now seven years later, God is still working on her behalf. And God is still performing the miraculous in her life. But it all started on a day when the man of God came through her city. And everybody else had the same opportunity that she had. But something in her said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. He gives her her son. He brings her son back to life. Gives her a word of knowledge. And what she didn't even ask for was an audience with the king. She gets an audience with the king. And the king says, I want you to send a messenger. And he said, I want you to restore everything that she lost. But listen to this. He said, I want you to restore everything that she would have earned in the seven years she's been gone. I want you to give it back to her because she had the right perception. And God brought the blessing in her life. If you'll perceive there's some things and you'll believe there's some things that are going to be conceived around here. And there's some things that are going to be received around here. But God is knitting this church together. God is bringing us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may have been born in this church. I don't know. You may have moved here from another church. I don't know. And Sometimes we bring all of those perceptions with us. Well, I think we ought to do it this way. And I think we ought to. Well, that's all well and good. But you know what? God's got a shepherd and God's got a leader over this house and he's saying hey this is the way we're going to go this is the way the path that we're going to take you know what I believe you've got a man of God I perceive that you have a man of God I tell you honestly he and I have not spoken he and I don't call he and I don't talk we're building and forging our relationship but I walked onto this campus and I felt unbelievable potential and I felt unbelievable possibilities of this church and I walk around and I see the excellence and I see the mu- it's, it's like the queen of Sheba that came to the house of God and she was amazed and she, she said I see the sitting of your servants and I see all the things that are going on and 
and, and the half had not been told to her. God's got a special anointing on this church. God's got a special anointing on this ministry, and sometimes it's easy for life. Sometimes we see humanity, and sometimes we see, we, we don't quite, we, we hear the roar of the lion, and we think it, it's at us, but it's not at us. It's, it's against the spirits that are coming against us. And I've been a pastor, for, as I said, for 25 years, and I've seen people that have yielded and responded to it. I think of that coat that was tied that Jesus said, you go and you find that coat. It's never been ridden. But you tell the owner, tell him the master had need of him. If you've ever ridden a horse, it's no fun to ride a horse. It can be a useful animal. It can be an enjoyable experience. But if it fights against the bit and it fights against the rider and it fights against direction, nothing is accomplished. But that coat that was tied that had never been ridden, it's amazing to me. There was a prophetic scripture in the Old Testament that prophesied that that was going to happen. And God knew thousands of years before where that animal was going to be. And He knew who it was going to belong to. And He knew that He was going to need it to ride into Jerusalem. And there it was. It had never been ridden. But it yielded itself because the Master had need of Him. You see, you'll never be useful until you allow your spirit to be yielded to God. You'll never be what God wants you to be until you surrender to Him. When you surrender to His plan, when you surrender to His authority, not only His direct authority, but His delegated authority in your life. There are giftings and abilities in this building that have yet to be realized. There are people that God wants to use. You're a coat that's been tied. It's never been written, but what could happen tonight if you would have the right perception? Come on. You know, a pastor in a church—it's not for for your for your—it's uh, uh, not a negative thing, but it's a positive thing. I've been around the church all my life. I love it. I need it. I've got four kids. I don't want to ever put anything in them that would teach them. I could tell them a lot of negative things, but I, I was raised in a pastor's home and my parents never shared anything negative with me. And I'm so thankful because I grew up believing in people. I, I grew up believing the best in people. I, I grew up believing that the church was a safe place. It was a, a place to get it right. It was a place to come to the altar. It was a place for God to minister to me. It was a place, and I can take you to moments and times in my home church where I was laid out in the Spirit drunk on the Holy Ghost and God began to call me and God began to get his hand on me and as a young person rebelling a little bit and going my own way but somehow finding my way back to an altar I'm here because of the church I'm here because I had a preacher in my life I'm here because I had somebody that would tell me the truth and speak the truth in love and God's calling this church to say come on it's time to take a step forward. It's time to go into your future. It's time to go and, and, and believe the report of the Lord. Joshua and Caleb were the only two of those spies that ever saw the promised land because they were the two that said we can. But there were ten that said we can't and the ten that said we can't. You don't even know their name. Because nobody remembers a quitter. But the two that said we can, Joshua and Caleb. Come on, is there anybody in this building that would get behind a vision and say, Pastor, we can. We're going to possess our promise. 
We're going forward in God. We're not going backwards. Yes, there's been a lot of things happen. Yes, maybe we've made some mistakes along the way. Maybe we haven't done everything perfect. I'm a man. But with God's help, we're going. Come on, would you lift your hands all across this building right now? There's a holy unction in this place. Come on, they're going to sing, and God's going to move. Maybe there's a husband and wife wants to just grab hands and say, hey, we're going to have the right perception. Maybe there's a young person that wants to step out and say, I'm going to be first. Whether mom and dad does, whether anybody else does. Maybe there's a a grandma and grandpa that says, I don't have the energy that I used to have, but I want there to be a yes in my spirit. I want there to be something that says, God, I want to have the right perception. Come on, as they sing, would you make your way to this altar right now? Come on. Come on, let's respond to the Word of God right now. Come on, would you move out from where you are and come and lift your hands? Come on, I'm preaching to this church right now. Come on. If you'll perceive and then you'll believe, you're going to conceive. And God says you're going to receive if you have the right perception. Hallelujah. Come on, does anybody want to go forward? Does anybody want to go to the promised land? Does anybody want God's provision in your life? Does anybody want to make room for the miraculous in your life? Does anybody want to say yes to God tonight? Hallelujah. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Yes. I'll say yes. I agree. Come on, push it as close as you can up to the front. Let's let everybody come as close as we can. Come on, just begin to lift your hands and say yes to Him right now. Why don't you say, God, renew my mind, renew my heart, renew my spirit right now. God, put a yes in my spirit. Put faith in my spirit. Take the hesitation out of my spirit, God. Put faith into my spirit. Yes, I agree. Come on, just begin to worship Him. Close your eyes. Come on, let's just take a moment. Let God work on it. Take a moment. Let God impart faith to us. Take a moment. Let God touch us with His power, with His presence, with His Spirit. God, we're going to say yes. We're going to say yes. We're going to say yes. I agree. Come on, is anybody ready for the miraculous? Is anybody ready for revival? Is anybody ready for God's provision? Is anybody ready for what God wants to do? I agree. I agree. I agree. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Come on, let the Holy Ghost rain down right now. Come on, why don't you let something come out of your innermost being right now? Come on, why don't you let a, a cry unto God come forth right now? Come on, get a yes in your spirit. Come on, God. I'm ready for whatever you want to do, God. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give, God. Hallelujah. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Why don't 
you reach over and pray for somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, church. I feel in the spirit we're getting ready to take a step. We're getting ready to go somewhere. We're getting ready to cross the river. We're getting ready to go into the promised land. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Come on. Revival in Jesus' name. Backsliders coming home in Jesus' name. Outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Miraculous provision in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands and sing it as a prayer. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll agree. Hallelujah. to just lift our voices and our hands and our hearts right now with a shout right now. Just, I feel something breaking in this place right now. Faith is arising in this church. Confidence, fresh confidence in the Word of God is arising right now. Faith to trust God for the impossible is rising right now. Come on. Come on. Miracles. Signs. Wonders, revival, provision. Come on, lift up your voice if you believe it. Lift up your voice if you believe it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want your pastor and wife to come right now. They can hit me in the head later if they want to. We're getting ready to pray for them like we hadn't prayed for them in a long time. You ought to pray for them every day. Amen. Y'all just get together right there. I want you to extend your hands toward this precious couple. Amen. I want you, is your church board here? Amen. I want this church board to come up here. Elders, whoever it is, ministry. Amen. I want you to gather around this couple right now. How many believe something's happening in this service tonight? How many believe God's speaking to us? We're getting ready to go somewhere. Amen. The Bible says that Moses, as long as his hands were lifted, that the, that the people of God won the battle. Come on, if you've ever lifted these hands, you ought to lift them now. If there's anything that you could do, she said, you know what, if I can make a room for him, I can make a table for him. If I can make a plate, anything I can do to make his life easier, anything I can do to make his life more comfortable, I'm going to do it. And you know what, she ended up being the one that got blessed. She got the king. She got the captain of the host. She got a son. She got a son, Ray. Come on, church. There's no telling what God will do with this church. If we'll get the right perception, we'll get the right attitude. Come on. God's giving you a gift. 
God's given you a man and precious lady of God.
God, please. 